Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome, first of all, to 2019 and Happy New Year to you all. Tara, this year has gone so quickly, hasn't it? It is, especially as we're actually still in 2018 because we're recording it. I know, I know. We're actually recording this on the 12th of December because we're trying to get ahead in time for when I go away in January. And, and uh, well, basically, it just feels a bit weird to be saying, Happy New Year! <laughs> because I'm, do- Year. I'm still doing my Christmas shopping at the moment. But, anyway, it will be by the time this airs. So, um, I should imagine everyone will be sort of getting stuck into the January challenges. And today's episode, really, is, is a roundup of all of the things we learned in 2018. Some of them from each other. Some of them from you guys. Some of them from the guests we've had on the podcast. And some of them from the creative challenges that we've hosted. And we'll also be looking at what else we've got coming up for you this year. But first of all, thank you all so much for continuing to share your creations with us on social media throughout December, despite it being such a busy time of the year. Honestly, you are all just awesome. And so much caught my eye, and it's so hard to pick from them, to be honest. But um, I'll mention a few. Nia Kate Edmonds. She's been doing some really lovely digital work for Digital Art December. Also, Frank J. Ferrer. He's also been sharing some really lovely digital art with us. And wasn't it lovely to see all of the festive posts? Maureen Ballard was one of the people who enjoyed the Quick Kicks Challenge, and she did some lovely festive drawings. And also, Emma Cavill. Is it Cavill or Savile? It must be Cavill, mustn't it? Well, she bought mm-hmm. herself a really little sketchbook just for the quick kicks. So what's caught your eye, Tara? Um, well, I was looking at the work by Priya Deshpand. I'm sorry if I've got that wrong. Um, she's been doing some little doodles about her life and general thoughts on squared paper. And as Pete Linforth, have you seen some of his digital work? Yeah, I have. One that I thought was really creepy was that conquer with the eyeball in it. I know. Oh, was it a conquer? Yeah, it was a conquer, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I saw that. I thought, how on earth did you do that? I don't know how to do anything like that, but um, that was brilliant. Yeah, very creepy. Mm. Then we've got James Penn Wiggins, who's been creating some digital work. I like the character he drew from a t- TV show he likes. And then Simone Kendall Lazart. She's been sharing some of her digital art, including a drawing that she did of a friend. So, so what's new with you then? <sighs> well, by the time this episode airs I will soon be jetting off to Cuba for a two-week holiday which I'm really excited we're actually leaving on the 14th of January so for the two weeks after that I will most likely be absent from the Facebook group so I'm not ignoring anyone um I will try and check in when I can but no doubt Tara you'll be enjoying a bit of peace and quiet from me which I'm sure you'll be delighted about oh be lovely yeah Thanks. <laughs> Apart from that, I've just about finished my latest painting and I really wanted to get it done before Christmas. So I will have definitely done that. I know that now. Um, so I'm really happy about that. So I'll be um, be able to start something new when I come back from holiday. What about you? What's new? Well, when are you going to share the painting? Um, I will share it at Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've been working on a little animated intro for our videos. Um, I think you've, you've seen that, haven't you? They were great. 
in After Effects. That's ready for the videos. We're going to start making little tutorials and time lapses in the new year. I think we're going to start this in February. Yeah, in case you hadn't guessed, Tara is the clever one of the two of us. She does the techie bits. <laughs> I've also been doing some one minute gesture drawings, which has been good fun, using some online model sort of photos. There's a site called Line of Action and it feeds you different pictures at 60 second intervals, or you can choose your interval. You can do longer if you want. I haven't done much drawing for my sketchbook. You know we're supposed to be filling the sketchbook by the end of December? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, do you? I don't think so either. Because after you said said to me about, you know, the sort of things you drew and you sent me some pictures. So I drew a picture, one of all my hands, so loads of different hand positions. And oh. that's all I've done in that one. I haven't done anything else. I've been doing these um, quick quick sketches of these sort of gesture drawings. <laughs> I think as well. But I think really when we, when we suggested that, we were... S- having such a great day sketching and on the way home I was sketching on the train and I couldn't wait to get out and do it again I thought yeah I'm gonna fill this sketchbook without really thinking about the fact it's December the busiest month of the year and we're trying to get all of the stuff done for this kick in the creatives that's gonna cover for when I'm away and starting to to make some videos as well so yeah and when I actually realized how many pages there are in the sketchbook I thought oh (laughs) I'm not sure this is going to be happening I think to be honest I think I'll probably hopefully finish mine on holiday (laughs) I looked at that and we should have picked in the sketchbook shouldn't we they're massive (laughs) they are I didn't realize how thick they were but um yeah let's let's not worry ourselves too much about that (laughs) But let's kick off by sharing some of the art materials we've discovered this year. Some of the courses we found really helpful and also some really useful apps and online resources. And uh, one thing I've personally learned this year is that all the fancy pens in the world will not necessarily make a great drawing. In fact, any pen will do. You really don't need to spend a fortune. And in fact, I've been really surprised since I ditched the pencil and realised the beauty of the humble biro. So I used to draw everything with pencil and I'm sure I have actually spoken about this before, but um, earlier this year I decided that I would go straight in with a pen every time. And I'm really, really glad I've done that because first of all, nothing smudges. I don't have to keep spraying my pages every five minutes. Secondly, um, my drawings I think seem to have more character since I started drawing with pen. And um, thirdly, you'd be surprised at the variety of tones that a simple Bic can give you if you use it, you know, in various ways. Now, I didn't want to be too boring, so my Bic just happens to be purple, but I actually think it's become my pen of choice when I'm sketching out and about, and yet it's most likely the cheapest one I own. And that sketchbook we were just talking about, that's what I've been drawing in with that. Although I have got to, you know, jazz it up a bit with some other bits too. Well, I thought you'd got that Lamy Safari fountain pen that you'd fallen in love with. Oh, I do love the Lamy Safari fountain pen too. I, I do. Um, yeah, um, I got the one with the broad nib. And that's the first one I used when I switched pen. And I still really love it. And I think the lines are probably more varied, really. And certainly thicker and bolder. Um, but I find that one kind of best for sort of more quirky outline drawings rather than maybe detailed sketches. Because you with a biro you can actually draw really, really faint lines with it, like it's barely there. Um, Whereas with the Lamy Safari, one stroke of a pen is still one bold stroke, whereas a biro, you can do a really faint inky line. So that's why I like the biro for that reason. But yeah, I I still love the Lamy. And I also want to try my new Zig Cartoonist Dip Pen. 
And it's one of those pens that I bought because I decided that I really, really needed one, even though I really, really didn't. <laughs> but I kind of like the idea of using that in the studio to make some fun things, you know, which is something I, I want to experiment with more over the next year. So what is that? Is that Does it look like a fountain pen, but you dip it then? It's, it's basically, yeah, dip pen. And um, if you look it up on Amazon, Zig Cartoonist Dip Pen, it's got really, really good reviews. Because I've tried a few dip pens in the past and I've not got on with any of them. And the, the um, nibs always seem to be loose and just I don't just don't like them. So I looked up the reviews on, on various um, dip pens and, yeah, that one came out really well. So I, I've bought one and it's still in the pack waiting for me to open. <laughs> but I will to buy it. Oh no, you're really going to ask me that. <laughs> oh gosh, I reckon it was about June. <laughs> Shocking. I know. I'm going, I, I promise you, I'm going to try it definitely soon. You can yeah. you can pick me up on that in our next episode and ask. And well, then I'll edit it out. It's <laughs> <laughs> not very nice. Well, I've just got a Sailor Food Fountain, Food or Feud, I don't know which one, Fountain Pen to try out. Um, someone in our Facebook group actually mentioned that you can get waterproof ink for these and I really wanted something you could do you know waterproof because I, I think the Lamy is generally it's it's water soluble isn't it so you can blend it yeah yeah so I haven't really tried it yet though it's very weird I've only sort of just doodled with it but it's got this little um, nib and I think you can get different nibs and it's kind of calligraphy and drawing but it, it's like bent over which is really really strange have you seen them no they have different no. degrees, and I, I think oh, actually, you mean it's kind of almost looks like you've um, bent it. Yeah, backwards. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I think they look really strange. Yeah, it is really weird, and I say it does give really sort of thick lines. But I need to experiment with that a bit more. And I say it's definitely they they say like so many degrees, and I say it definitely for calligraphers because you can get that really thick line and a thin line. But yeah, just haven't... just just to interrupt you quickly because I know you obviously just said about the waterproof ink. Yes. Well, I've had probably in the past three fountain pens because I always fancied using fountain pens and every single one I've ever had has just got completely blocked and I've never been able to get them to work yeah and it was only probably a couple of months ago when I was reading something about fountain pens and you cannot use um waterproof ink in them because that's what happens they get they just ruin you can't use them and that's what I've been doing so for the Lamy Safari pen I bought the proper ink that goes with it the water soluble I've had no problems with it whatsoever but I didn't realize that I just thought do you know what I just don't get on with fountain pens because they just don't work and they were just drying out within days and then I could never use them even if I tried washing them just didn't work but that's that's what I've realized that's what I was doing so if anyone else out there has the same problem that's probably what you're doing well, fingers crossed it works with the cartridges, but I'll wait and see. Luckily, it's only quite a cheap fountain pen, so if it doesn't work, yeah. not too big of a, a deal. No, no. But I also fell in love with my Pentel brush pen. I know you've got one of these and you're not overly keen. Um, <laughs> and it's really weird because when I first got it, I absolutely hated it. Um, I remember trying to draw a quick cartoon strip. and I had no control and some of the lines were really massive, some were really thin, and I put it away for a while and I didn't touch it. And this is a thing where I think you've really got to revisit some of your art materials because, you, you know, you change your mind and it's different, different things work well for different things. And I took it out again and started drawing faces with it for one of our challenges. I absolutely love it. I haven't got total control of it, but 
part of that I like about that because sometimes I get not quite a bob of ink like you're saying but I might make a thick line where really I wanted a thin one but it, it's kind of interesting and quirky and um, I say you loved using it in um, London didn't you? <laughs> I hated it. Do you know I didn't I didn't feel like I had any control over it at all and someone in our Facebook group is that has the same problem is it Claire Claire doesn't like them that much does she Claire Dumphy um yeah and she says the same as me that she just has no control and and actually I've got one of those pentel brush pens uh, myself and they are when you use them they the lines they create are beautiful you can go really really thin and then slightly press down harder and they go really really thick and they're just lovely but actually to draw anything with it I find really really difficult because like you say, you're trying to get a really thin line and and suddenly it'll just come out really thick and, and then, it, yeah, I just find them really uncontrollable, I suppose. And I much prefer working with a more predictable pen myself. But that said, you know, they work well with a certain style. I used mine to draw some old black and white movie stars once and they seem to work quite well for that. But generally, I don't really like them all that much. But you seem to have an array of pens you like and I've seen you use really fine liners, much finer than I would ever choose. Um, when we first met, do you remember that day we first ever met and you brought with you those little sketchbooks and those sort of pens which you bought from the works? Oh, yeah. I think they were about a pound each or something, weren't they? But they, the, I, when I tried those, I thought, God, they're so fine. I can't, I can't get on with the really, really fine ones either. Um, and then there was that awful, horrible, chunky marker you gave me to use in London. And it's so far from what I would ever choose to draw with. Well, they, Not, that, that's part of it, though, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah. Because you, you're always saying how you like to draw fine detail and be in control and stuff like that. I always think if, if that is how you are and you what don't want to be like that all the time, you know, pick up something you can't control because I think it yeah. just gives you some really different marks and it forces you to yeah. be looser, doesn't it? I'm going to use your chunky marker over the Are next sort of few months. Yeah, I'm going to, well, just for playing with. I think the biro at the moment is perfect for what the sketches I'm doing when I'm outdoors. You've always got a biro on you as well. But if you could only pick one pen then to oh. draw with forever, which one would it be? And it has to be a pen. Oh. Yes. See, I'd be torn. Can I have two? Oh, go on then. So I'd probably have a uni pin fine line, uh, point, uh, is it 8.8? I like the thicker ones of those. Yeah. And I'd have my uh, Pentel brush pen. What about you? Probably a biro at yeah. the moment. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Well, going back to markers we were talking about, we had a, a few people in our Facebook group talking about Copic markers. Did you see that conversation? Uh, I don't think I did, no. Oh. Oh, have you heard of Copic markers? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we used to have them at school. Oh, right. right. Very yeah. expensive for school. I mean, they, they're made <clears throat> specifically um, for artists and designers and very much for graphic designers and hmm. you know, people working by hand, like designing interiors, I guess, as well. Although right. probably that's been superseded by computers now. But the only problem is they are really expensive. Um, and some people wanted to try them out and they were saying, you know, oh, I can't afford that, you know, not just trying things out. So I was looking into it myself because when I was at college, I used to have a few, but I probably had a set of about 10 because they were so dear. And I found a brand called Ohuhu. I'm probably <laughs> saying that wrong. It sounds really rude. Ohuhu, oh, oh, which is spelled, <laughs> I'm not making this up. O-H-U-H-U. -H -U -H -U. 
Um, and there was loads of good reviews on YouTube saying when they were comparing expensive markers like Copics with, you know, cheap, cheaper brands. So I bought a set and you can get 40 jewel tips. So they've got a thin tip one side and a chunky tip the other side for 25 quid, which is, that's not bad, is it? No. Um, and I found them really fun to use. I mean, I'm not an expert in using them at all, but really fun. And it's good because unlike, you know, wet media, it's not so messy. So you can take them anywhere with you. Copics for a set of 12 Copics is 45 quid. So a big difference there. Yeah, huge. The only problem is you can't choose your colours with these oh hoo hoo. <laughs> oh, now I'm trying to I'm trying to work out in my head what you call a hoo hoo, but <laughs> I think I've kind of guessed. <laughs> Have you watched that on TV shows? Hoo <laughs> It's some word very similar to that, referring to female anatomy. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, back to the markers. So, yeah, if you do want to try them out, have a look at something like that. There are, there are other brands, um, which names now pass me by, but there are some other ones. But when you're using them, the paper will really have big effects with markers. So you can get, if you use your normal cartridge paper, they obviously bleed through quite a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I quite like a multimedia or mixed media, whatever you call it, paper, because um, they don't go through... But the paper does soak up quite a bit of those. You can buy special marker paper, which I have some of, but it's not particularly nice aesthetically. It's really, really thin. Have you seen layout paper? Yeah, I have. It's very similar to that. It's really, really thin white paper, but it's got some sort of coating on it to make the markers kind of stay more on the surface and not soak in. Yeah. It stops it bleeding, but it's not got that nice arty feel. It's more, I'd say, for designers creating visuals, not things necessarily you want to keep. They're just to show someone. So have you used markers? I've had them in the past. I've got a feeling I might even still have some somewhere, you know. Um, but mainly because I had to have them when I did my college course, my mm-hmm. open college course. Um, I had to buy various things. And um, they're, they're like the ones with the flat edge at the end. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, like like those, chisel edge. Is it the chisel edge? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't like them. <laughs> Which is probably why I probably used them once for whatever I was told to use them for and didn't bother anymore. <laughs> But I'm not sure about the light fastness of the ones I had. Um, but, you know, for a sketchbook, I suppose it doesn't really matter, does it? No, I mean, I would imagine the Copics are probably more light fast. I'm, I'm not totally sure because I don't know if they're made for that purpose, really. But no. I think they're great for sketching and stuff like that where you want to put down quick marks and say, like in a sketchbook where it doesn't really matter. Well, I recently bought some of those Stationery Island brush watercolour pens that you recommended um, because I thought they might be a really good um, choice to take on holiday in case I want to add some colour to my sketches um, because you know in Cuba it's going to be so colourful out there isn't it so it just seems a shame just to use a biro um, and I like the idea that you can blend them with water and it does mean you haven't got to carry too much around so and I always think the secret to sketching more well certainly for me anyway is to take less so too much choice um, can have complete opposite effect yeah, I mean, you said it before, didn't you? You took a massive backpack or something when you went out sketching. Oh, when I first started going out and about sketching, the reason I never really did it is because I would open my backpack and out would spill, I don't know, three or four different types of sketchbooks. I wasn't quite sure what medium I was going to use and out would come a, a bottle of water and a jar and a little range of brushes and then, 
all sorts of pens and maybe a pencil and better have a sharpener in case the pencil you know breaks and oh well maybe I need to take some baby wipes with me for my hands and I, honestly by the time I went out I was practically taking an art store out with me so I'd open my bag and I'd look in there and think oh do, do you know what it's overwhelming I don't don't even want to do it and that's really why I didn't hardly ever do it because I just took way way too much and now thing isn't it too, far too much choice you know it's so true even when you go in a supermarket I mean I remember going to a supermarket years and years ago and you might get I don't know three or four types of washing powder and now you're going to a supermarket and you get three or four aisles of washing powder and it's like oh god what do I choose you know you've got all these different types you just think I just want one that does everything <laughs> do you know what I mean bothers me like that the whole aisle of toilet roll. It's like, come uh, on. I mean, come on, you want to ask with it. Yeah. I went into Sainsbury's the other day because I wanted garlic infused olive oil. <laughs> I know we're, we're going a bit off topic here, aren't we? <laughs> I wanted some garlic infused olive oil. Um, it was just our local Sainsbury's, so it's a, quite a small one. <clears throat> but um, I went in there and they had the whole back aisle across the back of the shop was covered in various olive oils but it was either virgin or extra virgin and there was i don't know there must have been about 12 13 different brands of olive oil but no garlic infused olive oil i was like how many different types of olive oil do you need so i walked out with nothing but um but what i'm trying to say is when you're faced with so much choice often you don't see the wood for the trees if you like yeah you're overwhelmed uh, Yes, but what I found is if I have one pen in my bag and a sketchbook, well, by taking a pen, straight away that rules out taking a sharpener and an eraser, doesn't it? Because you can't do either with a pen. Yeah. And that's all you need. And you and to be honest, with colour, you can add that later if you want to. So, And I've done so much more sketching since then by just taking that choice away. So that's why it works for me. I have no idea what we were talking about now. Stationary Island watercolour pens. Oh yeah, I went. I went from Stationary Island watercolour pens to garlic olive oil. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> but yeah, no. I'm... Sorry, you were gonna. You said to me when I went on holiday. You you asked me what I took with me because you like yeah. one of the sketching pages I did. I yeah. thought you were gonna take those little round watercolours because you've got the same set as me. They were. I can't ever say this. Koenor, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And they're more like little links. They're not they're not expensive art materials, are they? But they look like they're water, look like watercolors, but I think they're more like inks because they're more permanent. Weren't you going to take those? Well, I I was, but to be honest, I, I think with those, I I see I really really like those watercolor sets and I well, they're so compact first of all, aren't they? And okay. I think they're really vibrant compared to some of the other watercolors. But I, I find them almost a bit more like gouache, or is it gouache or gouache? <laughs> we won't go back into that no. conversation again. But, um, you know, again, I'm not sure about the light fastness of those. I did find something on the internet to say their light fast rating was four, four stars, whatever that means. No, but no. in any case, they're fantastic for sketching because whether it doesn't matter if it's in a sketchbook, they don't have to be light fast. But, um, the reason I'm not going to take those with me on holidays because they will still require a jar of water and a brush or one one of those things. I just think the brush pens will be enough. And again, if I if I take those, you know, you've got to mix the colours, haven't you? Whereas the brush pens, they're already 
you just put them down and blend them. I think that'll probably make it easier. Yeah. For the kind of sketching I just want to do. I think I just need to make it as simple as, as possible so I do more. I was thinking about all this light fastness thing the other day. And I think sometimes people get so bogged down with that, especially when yeah. they're learning. And I really don't think you need to be. Unless unless you're doing creating art that you want to keep for years and years. You or know, you want to sell. Yeah, and they're fit for finished pieces. Mm. Uh, going to be on the wall or going to be in the sunlight. I mean, I'm sure they do fade a bit in sketchbooks as well. But if you're just doing it for fun and to practice and, you know, for those purposes, oh, I just don't think you should worry too much, in my opinion. Well, no, I, I agree, especially because they are so expensive. I mean, when you're beginning, you don't need to go out and buy, you know, all the fancy stuff. You really don't because you're going to be practicing, really. See, I, I read um, the other day, it was a little while ago, and they were saying 20-odd years ago... Well, more than that, actually. When I was a student, and you used to buy uh, watercolors back then, the the kind of the student grade watercolors now are probably better than the artist grade then. Just oh, really? That's interesting. Because things have come on so much, and technology has yeah. improved. Yeah, they were saying you'd be amazed at how much things have improved. Yeah, but in a sketchbook, really, you know, you don't have to think about the expensive materials for a sketchbook at all. Because, you know, it's, you're just going to close the book and it's not going to see the light of day very much. So it's really not a big issue. But but like we said, you know, if you're doing it, if you're selling art, it's a bit different. You've got yeah. to use the best products because you want to make sure they last. But, um, yeah, other than that, I think don't, don't waste your money when you're starting out. Going back to those watercolour brush pens that we mentioned along with the oil and the toilet roll and the washing powder. <laughs> <laughs> They've become one of my favourite sketching mediums. And I know a load of our Facebook group have been trying them too. They seem to be like the in kind of medium at the moment, don't they? I think you set a trend there. Do you think? Do you I think do. Or me and not other people on the internet. Well, you, I think you set the, the trend on our group because you did those videos, didn't you? And yeah. when we were in London, I've got to tell everyone that when you were in London, I would sit there with my biro creating the sketch. And by the time I'd finished my one biro sketch on a page you would have covered about four pages with masses of color and sketches i was like how do you cover so much surface in one in such a short time but you were using those pens and yeah it was great yeah i mean it's because i work so loosely compared to you who a lot more mm. fine detail aren't you but i think also what i liked about those pens when i got them i got a set of 12 um i think i got them last christmas and it's such a limited colour palette. Like you, I think you've got a set of 12, didn't you? Well. Yeah, you sent me the link and I just bought the same yeah. one. And because you've got that, you can't you can't faff about with different colours. You've got to use those bright, punchy colours. And the only way to mix them is like by placing one over the top of each other or, or putting them next to each other, then blending them with water. And I think it forces you to use colours a lot differently. So I was using quite a punchy purple for the shadows and maybe mixing it with a little bit of color over the top and they're really different to watercolor pencils because watercolor pencils i really like but they are kind of a bit tepid sometimes aren't they although have you tried the ink tents yes i have got some of those as well they they are really vivid yeah compared to normal watercolor pencils they're so vibrant yeah i have trouble with those and it's me being lazy you can't see what colour they are, can you, very easily? I need to make a colour. No, sketch. you're so right. 
Yeah. You're right, you can't. You can't see, you know, if you stick them in a pencil case, you're sort of rooting through. And and also, when you put them down, when you lay the colour, they do look like normal watercolour pencils, but it's when you put the water on, they just go wild. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I remember drawing something and I put this colour down and I think I think I thought it was going to be a really kind of a kind of grey blue or something and I put water on it it's like oh my god it's like <laughs> the brightest blue you've ever seen yeah didn't quite they're work. quite acidic aren't they yeah. the colours I think really yeah are. um but the watercolour brush pens they're really great over collage as well they don't blend well with water over that but I think they look quite cool but they're you don't really... have to blend them, of course, do you either? No, you can use them completely without putting water on. But they're really good on, I really like using them as Canton Imagine mixed media paper or a Claire Fontaine mixed media paper. And I like those because they're both inexpensive. They've got a really nice smooth surface and you get a decent number of sheets in them. I can't remember how many you get, like 30, 40, 50, I can't remember. But it really annoys me when you get those expensive watercolour papers and you get 10 sheets. I know. What a swift. That's why I liked the um, sketchbook that we got for London. I wish I'd got a that. was a cancer. We could do it with a 10 sheet. We'd have filled that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we, I thought they were really good and, and quite cheap, really. I'm not so keen on the surface of those. Because that's the ring bound one, isn't it? It's a Canson yeah. XL we got. But that's yeah. got a little bit, a slight bit of tooth, hasn't it? You covered most of yours with collage anyway, so I don't know why that you're worrying about the tooth. <laughs> What's your favourite paper anyway? Um, Sketchy, you know. Oh, for, do you know what? I'm not that fussed, really. If I'm using a fountain pen or like a Lamy Safari, obviously smooth because you don't want a tooth. You don't want dips in the paper because it, it just creates texture where you don't want it. What I don't like is thin paper that bleeds through and buckles. I don't like that. So I do like a, a nice sort of weight paper. There, Obviously, there's a place for a really, really cheap sketchbook. And that is in the studio. So um, it means I'm not at all precious about the result. And I do not care if I spoil a page. And it just means I can happily use pages just to warm up and scribble and doodle. Uh, before an actual proper drawing session without feeling like I'm wasting perfectly good paper and the one I've got I got recently was an A3 side so it's great for drawing loosely because there's more room and it's a data Dela Rowney um, jumbo value pad it's called and it's got 120 sheets of paper so it lasts for ages but the paper's not very white and you can't really use ink on it because it's way too thin so I wouldn't ever use it for anything serious but for just playing around and practicing and warming up it's absolutely brilliant but I picked mine up for about eight pound but they seem to have gone up because I had to look yesterday and on the internet they've gone up to 17 pounds which I thought well that's not really that cheap but there must be other cheap ones about but for more serious sketching um, a really good sketchbook I've used for watercolour and ink sketching in the past was the Stillman and Burn range have you heard of those I've heard of them I've never tried it yeah, I think the one I have was the Alpha series. There's, I think there's Delta and Zeta. I'm not entirely sure what the difference of them all is. You can easily look that up. But they've got various different finishes. Um, I've never had any problem with bleed through or buckling on my Alpha sketchbook. And I can definitely recommend that one. They're really nice hardback covers as well. And I also love using toned paper, particularly the Strathmore range, and you can get that into the grey tone or the tan. And what I love about them is that you've already got your mid-tone down. Um, so all you really need to do is add 
the shadows and darks and finish with a few highlights. You don't even have to draw everything in. And for the highlights, I, I use what I think is called a jelly roll pen. Okay. And once you use those, the drawings really pop. They're brilliant. Yeah, I mean, have you tried the... Um, there's also a brand called Claire Fontaine that I mentioned before. They now do a toned mixed media paper. They quite like that as well. You tried? No, I've not tried it. I've, I've not heard of it, no. It's very, very similar, to be honest. But And it's, it's quite a smooth surface again. Um, and very very inexpensive you know relatively to, to mm. a lot of the paper so I quite like that and that works mm. really well with those watercolor brush pens or also I've got some what called Lyra Aquacolor they're like um, a waxy pastel but you can use them with water and they're really similar I think I've never tried these but to Neo Color 2 which more people will probably have heard of mm. a bit like water soluble oil pastels have you tried those water soluble oils I tried them and I didn't enjoy them at all because I've been used to using normal oils and I found them sort of almost a bit chalky and again a bit sort of almost gouache or gouache or whatever I just I just didn't get on with them and at the time I was in contact a lot with Crystal Cook absolutely fantastic watercolour artist and lovely lovely person and she was wanting to dabble with some oils but I think she'd always been put off I think by all of the chemicals and all the rest of it so um I just said look I've got these oils and I'm never going to use them because I just don't get on with them but you know you might as well have them then you can try them out and then if you really like them then you can splash out on some you know yourself so I sent them across to her and to some of the stuff she would well all of the stuff she was doing with them stunning absolutely beautiful and um and she absolutely loves them but I didn't get on with those and I'll tell you what else I absolutely cannot bear it's oil pastels. Yeah, but oh. watercolour oil pastels. No, these okay. these one. You know, I'm talking about the normal oil pastels, the one you you can you can yeah. sort of but blend. You can but get similar ones as well, yeah. water based. Yeah, I don't, oh, I don't know. I've not tried those, but the the actual ones, the normal oil ones, where you'd have to blend them with terps, I do not like those at all. I really, really don't. See, I used to hate them, and then I revisited them, and I thought, do you know what? They're all right because again. I think it's they forced you not to be in control somewhat. Yeah. Actually, people do amazing things and they really are in control. But for me, they kind of, I like some of the little bit of not being totally in control. I think it almost makes interesting things happen. They're like happy accidents. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. No, I do agree because I've had the similar things with that Pentel brush pen that we were talking about. There are times when I've used it, I thought actually that for that worked really well. But I always think the ones that worked well was more by accident. <laughs> <laughs> but they will work well on um, tone paper as well, those oil pastels. I always think they're quite nice. Yeah. And you can use that for your mid-tone and get your pings on your on Yeah. Your I'll tell you the kind of pastels I don't like are soft pastels. I love how they look when you first put them on. Yeah. But they do fade, even if you spray them. I, I um, drew a picture of our dog a uh, previous dog Cody and I did her laying in the grass <clears throat> and um, I did her in soft pastels and it was you know really nice drawing and basically it's I didn't even have it out on the wall or anything it was just in a in a folder yeah you it's so dull now really dull and it was I sprayed it and everything I just don't I don't trust the longevity of, of soft pastels at all 
My mum's got one up that I did. Um, she might have two up, actually, on her walls. She's got so many pictures of mine on her walls from years <laughs> ago, from, like, when I'm, like... Do you think she puts them up just before you go round? <laughs> well, I'd be happy if she took them down, to be honest. <laughs> I forced my mum and dad to take some of mine down. Like, yeah, she had one of my brother when he was a kid that I'd, I'd done. Um, so he must have been three or something this picture that I'd done in pastels and then she did I can't even remember which one she still got up and then one I'd done in pastels of like a scene <clears throat> a broadstairs in Kent where yeah. we used to go when I was a kid and I think Maeve said all right but probably because they're behind glass and she's never had them anywhere that's too sunny so yeah she had one in the hallway and one on the landing and, and you know they're not that bright where they are oh. But I quite like, I quite like them. I haven't used those for years. The only thing I don't like, I ha- I have this problem with mess, which is really weird because I'm quite an untidy person. But anything where stuff makes a mess really annoys me. Yeah, I don't like um, anything powdery. I love using charcoal, but I don't because I hate the mess. Yeah. You know. Um, but one way you can experiment with all sorts of mediums um, with no mess at all is on the iPad um, with... Or, or a tablet with the various apps you can use, drawing apps. I bought myself an iPad Pro early last last year. Well, it will be last year by the time this airs. So I've been exploring some of the apps on that, and I've really enjoyed trying out Procreate. Now, I know that I'm never going to do more than play around with digital art because, I don't know, I, somehow I just don't feel as connected to it as I do with my other art. But I've found it really fun to just play around with um and I also love playing around with other creative things on um like my iPhone it doesn't have to be about drawing um you know how much I love googly eyes oh god yes I bought how many googly eyes did I bring with me to London which we never got around to you get them out did you in the end no I I bought practically a suitcase full of various googly eyes (laughs) I love them and and um but there are apps you can get on the iPhone the two I've tried are crazy eyes and eye vomit and it's really fun to add them to photos and give an ordinary object like a personality and recently um I took my grandson down to the woods and I was showing him this tree, this big trunk, and in underneath it's got all these holes. And I was saying, oh, you know, that's where all the elves and the goblins live. And he was like, you know, when little kids, they their eyes widen and they believe everything. <laughs> He's like, oh, can I see them? I was like, you can't because they're hiding. And then the next day I took a photograph of the bottom of this tree and in all the dark holes i added these googly eyes from this app that made them look like there was this little eyes lighting up inside and i sent it to my daughter adele and said can you show casey this and every time we walk past that tree now he's looking in thinking that he might see these eyes looking out so i find those really fun and i've also tried um just adding them to ordinary objects like I think I did one, didn't I, on some chestnuts lying on the floor. I don't know what I did. Silly things and just giving them a personality. And there's another app as well called Speech Bubbles. And, well, obviously that adds speech bubbles to a photo, but you can add your own text. So those things can help you be creative in other ways when you're not drawing. Can you see those googly eyes on animation? So if you took a video, can you add them to video? Or would it not follow? I don't, because I wanted to know, because I wanted to add some blinky eyes and I was trying to um, work out how to do that, but I couldn't work it out. Mm. I've not found one that I can do that with. I'm I'm not clever enough, really. Everything has to be simple. (laughs) 
other apps though I've, I've mentioned this one before and and we're going completely away from the creative subject in one in a way it's more about sort of keeping you focused and I've got an app called which I've mentioned before um, but it's called focus keeper which is basically a Pomodoro timer so you can set the time that you want to focus on something and then also the time in between that you want to take a break and then it keeps repeating that until you're done and it just helps you really focus on what you're doing without allowing yourself to be distracted by other things. Um, and another app we both use, Tara, is Todoist, isn't it? And that's really helpful. So you can set yourself tasks and deadlines and then it sends you reminders too, which is really useful. I always get reminders every day of how many things are overdue. <laughs> <laughs> great great for scheduling though and um, more recently I've been getting really serious with Google Calendar because you can access Google Calendar anywhere which is great but I have to say that every time I look at Google Calendar now I've added so much I nearly have a heart attack when I see all the all the tiny amount of white space I've got left on all my days I'm like oh my gosh yeah, yeah. so I've just got about enough time left to go to the toilet when I need to <laughs> Well, I really like Procreate too because I've I've got the iPad Pro, and I have you know I've, since doing stuff by hand, I've used it so much less, but I do really like it. And you can you can do some amazing things with it. You see some people and they just do the most beautiful finished pieces of work that are just incredible. Oh, well, they're so amazing, aren't they? Some people's digital art is just outrageously good. And there's also an app called ArtRage. Um, I used to have on my Mac, but you can also get that on the iPad. And that gives really arty looking things. So, so you could do something that really looks like watercolour. I know you can do it on Procreate, but ArtRage has this thing that just looks a little bit more real, in my opinion. But it is a little bit slower. It used to be. But also check out some of the Adobe apps because they've got loads of drawing apps and ones to retouch photos and create videos. And most of them are free, which you probably wouldn't expect with Adobe. But a lot of their apps, unlike their sort of desktop software, are completely free to use. I think you just have to sign up for a free account uh, and that's it. You can download a load of those. And there's ones where you can do sketching and I say retouching, cutting out things, all sorts. Um, there's also an app that we were both experimenting with last year, which is instead of those stupid wooden mannequin things that you use to pose and draw things, it's very much like that, but in digital form, but a lot more realistic. So you get this, there's either a man or a woman, or I think you can get ones where you've got more than one character and you can pose them, you can move the position you're looking at them from, you can move their arms and legs. Great if you want to draw cartoons or figures. So you can pose something exactly where you want it to get the right position in and work out where everything would go. Yeah, it was it was called Art Pose, wasn't it, that one? I forgot to say what it was called, Art Pose, yeah. Yeah, and and isn't that the one as well where you can actually adjust the size of the person? So if you wanted to draw someone who had more weight on them, then you can you can make normal-looking figures with them rather than... What you were going to say, you can make things bigger and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're that realistic <laughs> but yeah no I found that really good because yeah those mannequins I mean you put them in one position and they kind of ping into something that no human could ever get into unless they'd broken all their bones it's yeah it's totally rubbish I don't I don't get them at all really I've got two in my art room they've both got a pair of googly eyes <laughs> um yeah what so are they on their face they are, so oh yeah they're on their face <laughs> But if you just want to practice your figure drawing 
and you can't get to a life drawing class. On YouTube, there is a channel called Croquet Cafe, which has no, actually said in a really nice French accent. How do you? I don't how, know. How do you say it? Cafe. I don't know. I don't know how you say it. We're now kill, killing himself laughing. Uh, well, I'm going to spell it. It's C R O Q U I S Cafe, and it has actual videos of nude models holding different poses for various lengths of time, completely free. Um, and that's great. It's, it's it's the closest thing you're going to get to a life drawing class without being able to actually get to a life drawing class. And there's also another one called, um, I think it's called New Masters Academy. Have you ever been on that one? Uh, yes, I think I have, yeah. Yeah, and they do both nude and clothed models, which I think is really, really good because unless you belong to some kind of naturist club, most people tend to wear clothes in real life, don't they? <laughs> so I, I think it's much more helpful, really, to, to draw clothed models than it is nude ones. <laughs> have you actually done live, nude live drawing? Yes, yes, yeah. I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this very quickly. Obviously, when you're an artist, when you're drawing, when you're in that drawing zone, you do see in shapes and shadows and tone and form, don't you? You're not looking at someone thinking... Oh, how embarrassing! I've got to draw some boobs. You don't, you don't think of that. You think of the, the yeah. shapes and all the rest of it, and it's fine. Um, but there was one life drawing class I went to. Oh my gosh! Basically, this lady came in as the model, and now I've seen models strike some seriously strange poses in the past, but this lady was just the other end of the scale. She brought with her. I do not know why she did this, but she bought with her a mirror, like a full length, well, it was almost like a square, really big square mirror. Oh, yeah. And she laid this mirror on the floor and then she sat on it. Oh, no. <laughs> and then she posed herself and are we let me just say... Are we hoo-hoo markers now, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the hoo-hoos. <laughs> Uh, and, and I say hoo-hoos because there were two of them. <laughs> it was like, why? Why would you do that? But she also had these, she had these kind of like flower heads, which she also sort of sprinkled over this um, mirror. It was the most bizarre thing. But the position I was in, it was just like, that was the first time I'd ever been in a life drawing world, um, class and thought all I can actually... I'm so embarrassed. I just don't. I don't know where to start. I can't see shape and form at all. I just see two hoo hoos. <laughs> she was obviously not shy whatsoever. <laughs> hoo hoos have now adopted a different part of the anatomy than they originally intended. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Have you been to life drawing classes? Oh, yeah, we used to have loads at college, and the one I can remember because I used to have to try not to snigger. Well, we had all sorts of, of strange ones. We had drunk people you know you couldn't imagine but there was one guy and he must have been about 60 I'm guessing um and he used to wear leather trousers and um, when he came in oh no could you count the vegetables no it wasn't so much that but he was he wasn't a particularly fit looking guy but he's oh, yeah. he had the trousers on and then he always used to take two tablets or take some pills out of his trousers and take tablets before he went and got changed and <gasps> no. there was a lot of speculation about what they weren't blue, <laughs> were they? <laughs> there was a lot of speculation. Well, actually, it was the reverse. We thought they were for so slow excitement did not happen. But that was 
they were probably just like breath fresheners or something but, <laughs> but of course as soon as someone had said this you know but then every time you went in and every, every time it's the same model and they'd take these tablets out because she'd try not to snigger oh my god that's the most weirdest thing i've ever heard but we also used to have these like models and they used to get dressed up i showed you a picture the other day didn't i so i was clearing out my loft and oh yeah they dressed and this wasn't the stuff the model had brought in but they dress them up so you got this guy who's completely naked and then they put on in this weird hat thing it's like a clown kind of hat and a clown nose and then they made him wear this plastic sort of chest i don't know if it was supposed to be a big pecs or boobs Um, it looked like boobs in the drawing (laughs) i can't remember quite what it was supposed to look like but it was this plastic thing that they made him wear on his chest it was so weird it's like when? Maybe they just thought he wasn't fit looking enough, so they thought he needed some muscles. <laughs> so exactly would you need to draw that in real life? Well, exactly, exactly. You know, another place to practice a bit of life drawing, although I say not life drawing, it's not life drawing at all, but huh? not in the bedroom. Pardon? Not in the bedroom. No. Oh, that's a good idea though. Yeah, draw your other half. No, um, but we well you do what we did, go to um the V and A museum in, in London. They've got obviously they're nudes everyone's nude in there but they are obviously um sculptures well we were kind of looking at them thinking isn't it weird how the human figure seems to have evolved because um strange shaped people in in those um sculptures weren't they yeah and no, i told you didn't i, I think it was oh, i'm probably thinking it's totally wrong and someone's gonna comment on this but i think it was michelangelo and i'm sure he used to use male models to create his female figures yes so so they'd pose but i might be might be inaccurate about this he'd pose and then he'd obviously change their anatomy but obviously it never quite looked right because you didn't have the right shape to start with because i've I've heard as well the mona lisa was actually a male well that wouldn't surprise me looking at her would you no it was on some sort of documentary and yeah there's speculation about whether it was actually a female at all so yeah it wouldn't surprise me but yeah I mean you know if you want to practice nudes there are plenty there to choose from and it's a good way of practicing without having to actually go to a life drawing class and it's obviously again free because those sort of places usually are I mean other places to look for reference for things to draw not necessarily even for live drawing are free photo libraries and I always tend to assume that everybody knows about these but of course I only know about them because I've used them for sort of graphic design work a lot of people don't know about them you didn't know about these either did you Sandra not not before you told me about them no so there's there's Pixabay isn't there yep. there's Unsplash yep. um there's Pexels and another one I recently discovered which I don't know if you've heard of is called Dreams Time yeah. which is a one word and that's really good they're not really all free good. though on Dreams Time you know Dreams Time some of them are free and some of them you buy but it's quite clear which ones are which when you click on them um a friend of mine actually uses um, something called paint my photo but i can't really comment too much on that because i don't i've never used it but i've tried I've, it have I, you any good yeah i went into there and had a look and for me it wasn't great because i was looking for faces and the good mm. thing about them is they're copyright free and i think they've got model releases um what a model release is is that the person you've taken the photo of has agreed that their photo may be used for whatever purpose you know mm. you've agreed to. Um, yeah. Whereas on Pixabay, obviously you can use you can download and use those theoretically in your work. But if you start to get things like people's faces, 
Like say you've been on holiday and you've taken a photo of, you know, someone on holiday, you haven't necessarily got their permission to use that photo for say drawing purposes or to be on a leaflet necessarily. You haven't got it signed off. So Mm. you've got to be a little bit careful, but you know, other things are usually okay. I think the thing is with paint my photo as well, they're photos just taken by ordinary people whereas the pixabay and unsplash and all those places are taken by professional photographers and there's a massive difference in quality i think I don't um, know between a lot more professionals i think but they're probably keen amateurs so very very yeah. well i suppose you must be right really because they're doing that so that they're getting their name out there but they're very good i mean the, the quality is really really good yeah um you can also search through several free image libraries at once using a site called everypixel.com. And I suppose I should pretend I've heard of that before today <laughs> since I'm reading it out, shouldn't I? But I would be lying because this is one you wrote down, Tara. Yeah. But anyway, what's so good about them is if you want a reference photo of a subject that would be hard to photograph yourself, you can usually find a photo on one of those. And of course, they're great quality because, as I say, they've been taken by really good photographers. And as long as the photos are royalty free, you know you can use them how you like um now i have to say i don't actually like using other people's photos and i much prefer to take my own but they definitely have their place so for example you know if you wanted to paint an underwater scene then obviously you could look at a site like that for your reference so they're yeah they're really handy i i've used them a lot for faces um but obviously oh it's, yes it's, it's not faces i intend selling or anything it's practice for, for me and to you know to create really Oh yeah, no. When I say um, when I say I prefer using my own photos, that's for my serious paintings. Yeah. I use photos like that all the time to practice sketching. So yeah. you know the royalty free ones. It's just if I'm actually doing my own sort of still life setup or something like that, then I I like to take my own photograph. Depending on whether I'm obviously sometimes I work from life anyway, so it's not really relevant. But um, but yeah, there's there's loads of great places you can learn about art and creativity um obviously from books to youtube and online courses and um moving on to books a recent book i enjoyed was um it's great to create by john bergerman who we interviewed earlier this year and what i really liked about it was it was more about thinking creatively than actually drawing or painting so it's almost like learning how to reconnect with your inner child um, and I know he's your art hero, isn't he, Tara? Yeah, I mean, I just like the fact that it's not too serious, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what I liked about it. Really, really silly things from, you know, doing silly things with your cereal boxes in the cupboard to, I don't know, putting googly eyes on a on a litter bin. It's just silly things, but it's opening your eyes to what's around you and making things fun. Um, moving on to courses, Skillshare. That's a site you've introduced me to, Tara, and and that's a site where anyone can make and upload a course. And some of those courses are free, but others you do need a subscription. And usually you can get one or two months cheap trial too. I know I did. In fact, I got a free trial, I think, for three months. And a couple of Skillshare courses I took this year, one of them was called Photography Masterclass, The New Complete Guide to Photography by Phil Ebener which is E-B-I-N-E-R. And I took that course because I bought a new camera earlier this year and I wanted to understand um, the settings a bit better because there's no point in having a good camera if you really don't know what you're doing. And I have to say, they really did explain things in such simple terms, so I found that really, really useful. And I also went on to a course called Intro to Procreate, illustrating on the iPad Pro by Brooke Glasser. 
which is G-L-A-S-E-R. And as I said, I've had the iPad Pro and Procreate, but I just wasn't getting how to use it at all. And by the time I'd finished that course, it just all fell into place. Again, I think it's largely about you know, how things are so simply explained. And I often find, you know, that some people who are really, really knowledgeable aren't necessarily very good at teaching what they know. And I think this is particularly true with photography, I think, because they assume that you already know what the technical jargon means. And for a beginner, that can be so frustrating. So yeah, the people that can find a way of explaining things in more simple terms, they're the kind of courses I love. And you've taken some Skillshare classes, haven't you, Tara? Yeah, I mean, I've got a a yearly subscription um, and I tend to either watch videos for inspiration or I just watch parts of courses. I don't even necessarily watch the whole thing, you know, just to learn specific areas or something. Um, But ones I've enjoyed watching this year are Doodles to Design, which is by John Bergerman. And it's probably quite similar to, you know, the book you were saying. But this one was about starting with hand drawing doodles and stuff by hand. But it's really sort of fun. But then it went on to then taking that doodle and make it into something digital. And I didn't actually bother doing that bit because I already, you know, I was so used to doing digital stuff anyway. I wanted to stick with the hand drawn stuff. But I really did have fun with that. And then there was another one called Urban Sketching by Ed J. Brown. He's an illustrator and a typographer. Now, I actually wouldn't have called it so much urban sketching because he was sketching for photographs. I suppose what he meant was there's a lot of type of scene type of stuff. But he worked really differently, I thought. He worked with a brush pen, like a Pentel brush pen, which is why I was interested. And he worked in a very graphic way. So he wasn't trying to illustrate a scene as it was there and as he saw it, it was very much kind of illustrative and graphic and even slightly cartoony, which is quite fun. Also, if you're looking to learn the Adobe software, and that's all a range of graphic programs, there's an absolutely brilliant teacher on Skillshare called Daniel Scott. Um, I took his After Effects class, and I'm really bad. I don't know about you, Sandra, but if I watch video courses, quite often I would nearly drop off. Do you get that? Yeah, yeah. It's really bad. But um, his, I I have to say, his keep you awake. So definitely check out Daniel Scott. Um, You'll also find some of those same courses on Udemy. And Udemy is another sort of online learning platform. But it works slightly different because on Udemy, you just buy the courses you want rather than subscribing to everything for the year. But don't ever pay full price for anything on Udemy. Because if you search for a voucher code, most courses will be available between $10 and $20. So don't buy full price. You'll get the one that sticks at full price, but most won't. And Udemy, by the way, that's spelled U-D-E-M-Y. Yeah. Um, there's also an app called Craftsy. Have you ever been on that one? I've had a quick look, yeah. And that's another one where you can just buy any class you fancy taking. And I've done that before. And the ones I took were really good and really, really in-depth. And I think there are some freebies on that one too. Haven't been on it for a while. Um, And you did? I did a long time ago as a pencil portrait um, course. And this woman does this pencil portrait from start to finish. And it's all in real time. And she's explaining what she's doing and why she's doing it. And um, I found it really, really good because a lot of them... You go on some courses, don't you? And they just sort of skip to bits yeah. and then they say, oh, now I've done that bit and we can move on. To... But you sometimes you just want to see the whole process, yeah. don't you? But yeah, there's some really good fun courses on, on there. But it's not just books and courses we've learned from. We've also learned a lot from our Facebook group. 
And one of the things we wanted to try and eliminate in our challenges was the fear of the results, because I'm sure that is one of the main obstacles that new artists face. And the way we've done that is by creating some challenges that not only really help improve your hand-eye coordination and therefore obviously your drawing skills, but also make it impossible to expect it to be a good drawing. And by taking that expectation away, you then take away the fear. And I actually think that they've become our most popular challenges of all, haven't they? And we certainly notice with the Quick Kicks challenges and the other ones such as Five Minute March that they stopped people from being so critical of their own work. And it's amazing how much even a small amount of daily practice can improve your skills so much over time. And I think the secret is not necessarily how long you draw for, but how regularly you do it. And personally, I think it's much better to do 15 minutes of drawing a day than it is to do a few hours once a week. I also learned that you won't know you're good at something or that you actually like it until you try it. We've got people in our group who have tried different creative activities for the first time as part of a challenge, and they've discovered that they love doing it, which I think is brilliant. We actually asked people, didn't we, this week, what have been their favourite sort of challenges? And some people said, like there was um, Deb, Deb saying... I was just about to say, Deb. Yeah, she said she did the lino cutting, and she's discovered how much she loves that, didn't she? And then we've got Cheryl who did the abstract and mm. loved those and we, we had someone else who actually loved doing poetry and he'd never done it before mm. and you can also find that your creativity or someone else's creativity can inspire each other we've had poems inspiring art and vice versa we've also had people creating drawings in the group that inspired poetry we've also learned from our podcast guests i know one of our podcast guests jake parker really helped you didn't he sandra with a creative block that you were having yeah, and, and I've spoken, I think, about this before on a previous episode, <clears throat> but in our interview with Jake, um, we asked him if he's ever experienced an artist block. And of course he had. I don't think there's any artist really that hasn't. But I was particularly eager to ask him at the time because I happened to be going through one myself. And anyway, he started talking about two types of block, the shallow block and the deep block. Now, if you're interested to hear what he said, then go back and listen to the episode 18. Because what I, I found that he said was really, really interesting. And he actually helped me unravel my own block through that interview. And within a week or two of doing that interview, I was completely over it. And I think when you're going through a block, the secret to coming out of it is to get to the bottom of what's actually caused it. Um, and we went on, didn't we, to do an entire episode on that, on the creative block. I think that was episode 21. And so I think that's well worth a listen if you haven't already. And also, I have to say, interviewing Danny Gregory, I mean, that helped me jump right in at the deep ends with interviewing because I always get really, really nervous um, when it comes to doing interviews. And I know you do as well, don't you, Tara? Yeah, so we're both really terrified, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> So interviewing my art hero was absolutely terrifying, but it did get me a lot of editing practice because <laughs> I think one of the questions <laughs> took me about 10 minutes to get out. I must have asked the same thing in a hundred different ways. I just kept tripping over my words. It was really funny. He probably thought I was a lunatic, <laughs> but no, he was a great one to listen to as well. You should definitely go back and listen to that. And we've also noticed that no matter how successful and how high profile the guests are, they all experience the same struggles as we do. Plus, I think we've learned things from each other. Like I finally decided that I would do multiple drawings on one sketching page that I'd been so adamant I was not going to do. It had to be one drawing on one page. And I did on holiday, I drew loads on one. That was your suggestion. And I'd really avoided that. 
Well, I learned as well that I really hate doing timed sketches, which was your suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> I helped you a lot then. Uh, well, no, yes, you definitely have because um, I'm sketching, I'm experimenting with a lot more different things like, you know, like you, you do the collage things and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm doing so many things I wouldn't normally do. So in that way, definitely. But the time sketches, I just find that the moment a timer is on, I find that the pressure just overtakes and I just can't operate that way. The only one I will say is the five minute March one. For some reason, I really got on with that one. I don't know it's why. Weird. It's same thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. But anything else? When you, you know, when we were in that V&A museum, you're like, right, two minutes. I was like, I, I just couldn't compose myself. <laughs> it took me two minutes. Is your threshold? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We actually decided, didn't we? Some of them we were doing were too long. Yeah, I mean, I find that myself. I mean, I absolutely love time sketching, and it's one of the things I rediscovered this year. Um, I find it really exciting to draw something quickly, and I find for me it kind of puts that. I don't know what you what, what do you call it when you kind of almost like an exuberance in a drawing like hmm. movement and stuff yeah energy yeah yeah and I remember I used to absolutely love doing those at college because we used to do them with the life drawing but yeah I really love doing that and like I said I experimented with a few things that I haven't done before this year um drawing some fairy tale characters was one of them and I loved you know, dipping into my imagination and creating some of those characters. And it was so different, obviously, to what I normally do. And the reason I did that, of course, was for our children's book, which we co-wrote, didn't we, for the February Fables Challenge. And by the way, I finally just finished the very first edit of that. Wow. <laughs> so now it's on to things. I'm going to read through it again Yeah. And and do the same, pretty much. And then after that, it'll be all about, you know, punctuation, the boring stuff. Is it a completely different story now? <laughs> no, but it makes more sense. Right. There were some of it didn't make sense. And you don't know until you read it, do you, back. You yeah. think, actually, that couldn't have happened because that did. So, yeah, yeah there's there's various bits in it that I've had to, to cut out and, and add in, but very not very much. It's still the same, exactly the same story, but just it just flows. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> It is. What I was going to say about your drawing the cartoons, because I don't think you'd have considered doing that before. I don't know. You've even contemplated it. So would you suggest other people try something completely outside their comfort zone or not? Because I know before you've always felt that you know what you like doing and that's what you're going to do. Well, the thing is, you you can exp- you don't have to think about changing your style or anything, but by experimenting with other things, it's just liberating, I think. And I think you can surprise yourself of what you're capable of. And you I, know? I think that, I mean, you did show yours, but you don't even have to show those experiments no. if you don't want. If they don't work out, no. just keep them to yourself. Yeah, I mean, there was one character I did, wasn't there? I just wasn't happy with it. I knew I wasn't happy with it because it really wasn't what I'd pictured. But the other ones I was really happy with. And I think we'd kind of seen the, the characters in the same way, which was quite interesting. Yeah, I think you sent it to me, didn't you? That other character. Yeah, and, I, and it was she funny. Up, she looked like a different... She reminded me of one of the other characters. And, and you were so right. It was so right. So it was interesting. We kind of had the same mindset I think where the characters were concerned but yeah no I would definitely say it's so worth trying new things and that's what's so good about these challenges I mean Deb's saying I know we did that um lino november in obviously november lino cutting challenge and um she's still doing it now yeah she loves it and in december because she really loves it and she's not tried it before and that was something she wouldn't have probably realized so 
Yeah, so I don't know, she'll probably carry on. Yeah, I think she might have dabbled, hadn't she, years ago? Right, yeah. Uh, not yeah. much, not for, not for years. No. And I think we're both slowly starting to get less self-conscious about sketching in public too, uh, especially when we're wearing disguises. Which nobody, know, I don't know if everybody knows about yet. Did we tell everybody or not? I can't remember. I think I think we put, did. We put a photo. Oh, I did on my Facebook page of us two. You wearing your fake moustache, fake moustache hat, furry hat, and uh, dark glasses, and you were wearing a horse's head. Of course. Right, but you were. I don't know whose was worse, right? Because mine was probably a lesser disguise, so not quite so crazy. But I did mine in the VNA Museum. <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> completely crazy horse's head, but at least you were outside. Well, yeah, you, well, we did consider doing it inside the V&A, but then I think we said, actually, if I put a horse's head yeah. on in the V&A museum, it might look like we we're about to do something really mad and we might get thrown out. So <laughs> we decided to take it outside. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think actually that day out in London really helped me overcome that hurdle. It's one I've always had. Um, and now I don't think I would think twice about sitting in a cafe and drawing. And if, actually, um, I'm picking my grandson up from school tomorrow and I can't bring him home tomorrow because the dog's had an operation and I can't let him be excited. So I'm going to take Casey to Costa Coffee and I'm going to give him a, um espresso. No, I'm not. I'm going to give him a, <laughs> a hot chocolate with marshmallows and I'm going to draw him. I'm going to see if I can draw him and the people around. Really? I think he will. Really? I think he will. If I say I'm drawing him, All right. I think he might. I mean, he won't literally sit still, but he, he's not going to run around. He'll sit down and drink his chocolate, so I'll be doing things like that. But I wouldn't normally have dreamed of doing that. So. You know what you can do, don't you? Give him a load of the sheets of paper out of that big sketchbook that we're trying to fill up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, but I think that there was a time when I would never have walked into a cafe and picked up a pencil. Um, I would have done everything sort of hidden or in a place like down the woods where there's no one around. Whereas now, if I went in, a, I wouldn't think twice now, I don't think, about going into a Costa Coffee or anywhere like that on my own and just sitting in a corner with my sketchbook. I think I'd be okay with that now. So it's interesting that it just took that one day doing it with someone else, doing some mad things and thinking, do you know what? What's the worst that can happen? Oh, I found really strange was that when we were in the VNA museum, <clears throat> I wasn't actually too bad. I I wasn't overly concerned about drawing in there, because we were just drawing um, statues. Uh, what what statues going to say? And I didn't really care that much about people, you know, coming round because there were so many people in there drawing anyway, wasn't there? Yeah. But you were really quite shaky about that when we started off. You were quite nervous, and yet we get in the cafe, and I'd say the opposite thing happens because you were much more comfortable sitting there drawing people whereas I was much more conscious because I'm terrified they're going to catch me looking yeah no it's funny yeah, I did feel a lot more comfortable drawing in a cafe and yeah. I didn't sort of have the problem in there did I it was strange yeah. but the, yeah the V&A museum <clears throat> my my I could actually feel my heart beating through my sketchbook where it was resting on my ribs and um it was shaking <laughs> that was just for the first sort of probably the first hour of the day yeah and then it all calmed down and I was fine but yeah in the in the cafe you were much more conscious of catching someone's yeah. eye whereas I just I just look away and pretended I was against someone else so my drawings in the cafe were terrible because I just didn't use any observation because I was so scared of catching their eyes they were, they were terrible um, oh they weren't terrible and we both need to improve our drawing of moving people because when we were trying to draw the skaters that's nearly impossible oh yeah, that really is. And I think I was thinking about that on the way home on the train. I was thinking what you probably need to do is find a pair of legs 
and capture how they're moving and then wait till that person just comes around again. <laughs> Probably, no. But I, I've changed as well, I think, the way I sketch. As, as I said before, I always used to go in with a pencil and now I never do that and I just go straight in with pen and it's only the challenges and what I've learned this year that's made me decide to do that and I much, much prefer it that way and they seem to have more character somehow. So, you know, when I look back in my sketchbook of all the pencil drawings I've done, somehow the moment I started using pen, the book just looks so much more interesting and I don't know why that is. Yeah, I think, so, I think pencil has a really nice quality, doesn't it? Because you can get that really nice soft shading with a pencil, can't you? Um, yeah, great for drawings, but yeah. maybe they're not for sketching. No, I think pen forces you to commit, doesn't yeah. it? And it means you you make mistakes, but sometimes mistakes can be interesting. Sometimes it's yeah. a disaster, but you can't you can't change it. You're in there, you've done it, and that's it, really. So, yeah, and it's really interesting that I much prefer... The, the sketchbook from that point onwards and yet it's taken me so long to do it yeah right yeah. Mid. and we also want to mention a few podcasts that we enjoy so there's your creative push with Youngman brown who's actually mike young we know him as mike young more and he interviews creatives from many different fields and it's actually through mike's podcast your creative push that me and you met so thank you to mike we really like that and we also like your favorite sandra Art for All by Danny Gregory and Sketchbook School. And Danny discusses lots of art and creative related topics. And who can resist that smooth movie voice? It's something that Sandra and I try and emulate. <laughs> you do movie and and don't do a, we don't do a good job of it, do we? <laughs> your movie voice. Um, three Point Perspective for Illustrators by Jake Parker. Will Terry. How about that? bit deeper three point you know, you know, like that, you know that thing with the intros to movies and they you know like the trailer yeah deep deeper for the next one i haven't got a deep voice that's the trouble with my voice i'm i swear only dogs can hear my voice sometimes <laughs> it is always it's too high and honestly it took me ages when we started this podcast having to hear it back was hell on earth because i just thought i sounded like a seven-year-old child so for a for a while i was actually trying to speak in a lower pitch than i actually do <laughs> because they say don't they that you actually hear your voice in your head a pitch lower than it actually is and i just think oh, god no. that's awful i feel so sorry for everyone around me but yeah apparently you do um but yes oh danny gregory's voice is lovely it isn't is it lovely, yeah three point perspective um is a um podcast for people who love illustrating and that is hosted by jake parker will terry and they've both been on our podcast and also lee white um and another one i love um which is a podcast for writers and that is hosted by joanna penn who we interviewed in episode 20 and it's just so easy to listen to and she's such an uplifting person so if you love writing you should definitely check her out that, that's not that we're trying to send pen, isn't it you haven't actually yeah oh writing. sorry did i not say yeah the creative pen the creative pen podcast but other than that i think that pretty much wraps up last year or this year for us but last year and there's lots and lots more coming up this year yeah i mean like we mentioned a bit earlier we're planning to make some videos and they're going to be fun things like art tutorials you know just creative things to try out product reviews and maybe some time-lapse videos as well yeah 
that'd be an, a bit of a new project for us and of course we'll still be creating the podcast and we are always open to ideas for topics so do feel free to email us if you have an, an idea in mind um, some of the episodes we have coming very soon will be um, are you ever too old to start making art and another one ideas to improve your drawing skills and of course we've got loads and loads more coming up and we've got lots more creative challenges coming up too of course and in fact we have four to choose from every month of this year yeah i just want to go back that if anyone does want to email us about the ideas of podcast or anything else actually the email address is howdy which is h-o-w-d-y at kickingthecreatives.com obviously because we're both cowboys <laughs> don't <worry laughs> <about> that. <laughs> no idea that was that was you that was all you <laughs> being weird <laughs> so yeah back to the challenges yes each month we've got quick kicks which are popular as their challenges you can do in 15 minutes or less a day and then we've got kick time challenges and they're month-long challenges so you do one project for the whole month and they're for people who want to spend a bit more time on their art and it doesn't have to be art it could be writing uh, poetry sculpture whatever you like really and each month there will give you a prompt and you can just work on that the whole month yeah, and don't underestimate the benefits of the quick kick challenges. I mean, they might be short, but they are so, so helpful in improving your drawing skills. All of the challenges are designed to be fun, but they are also designed to improve your skills and to get you into a creative habit. And of course, you don't need to do them all. Just just the ones, you know, pick one which you think would fit you the best so for example this month we've got art journal january which was so popular last year wasn't it and the idea of that is to create an illustrated page that best represents your day um, and we've also got aqua january which is a wet media challenge um, quick kick january is to take an abstract photo a day and our month-long kick time prompt is envy yeah i mean we've got like we said, we have these two regular challenges and then each month we have um, two other challenges you can take part in. So one of the other challenges I'm looking forward to taking part in, it's February Faces, which is one of my absolute favourite challenges. And examples from later in the year are April Poet, which is to write a poem every day. And our poetry challenge was really popular last, last year. And also we've got Print with Junk July. And this is to either do... You could do liner cutting on junk, so you could have old scraps of paper, or you could use bits of junk like corrugated card, leaves of wood, and use those to print with. If you go to the website and click on the calendar, you can see all the challenges listed throughout the year. Yeah, and if you sign up for our newsletter, which goes out once a month, you'll get advanced notification of the challenges coming up for the following month. So finally, let's read out some of the answers to our previous question. And that question was... What's the most creative thing you can think of doing with a pencil other than to write or draw? And that really caused us to laugh a lot when you wrote that one last month. Well, it wasn't when I wrote it. It was when I tried to read it out, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, when I wrote it, I didn't think anything of it. And then when I came to read it out in our last episode, uh, we could neither of us could even speak. So if you want to laugh, you might want to go back and listen to that one. It was so funny. But anyway, Tara, did you ever come up with an answer for that? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could, you know, when you um, sharpen pencils, yeah. you get obviously the shavings. Yeah. 
I thought we could make nice pet like a bunch of flowers out of the shavings with and make them sort of like into petals. So that was my creative, very clean creative idea. That was. There was some. Um, I remember seeing some greeting cards or hearing about some greeting cards, and they'd done things like that. Pencil shavings were used for all different parts of the picture. It was quite clever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I've got Jacqueline Karen Grant, and she says, to get my bread out of the toaster. Come on, read it properly. She says, to get me bread out of the toaster. <laughs> oh, yeah, I missed that. <laughs> to get me bread out of the toaster. So, yeah, don't use a knife, a metal knife. That's a good tip. No. Yeah, so you're safe with pencil, aren't you? I guess. That's nice and hygienic. Um, <laughs> then we've got Dee McKinnon. She says, all things tea and coffee related. Fishing my eraser and other stuff out of my cup, stirring my tea. I've never had that happen. Have you? No, no, I've never ever had that happen. <laughs> I've got prior, is it prior or prior sure. dash panned, um, to keep my hair in place. And I like that idea. I might I might take that idea. Yeah, well Gabriella Pop also suggests that. She says to fix my hair. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I've got long hair, so that might work. I've got Krista. Crescenzo um, bounce contest see whose goes the highest spin contest who goes the longest slide contest see who goes the furthest <laughs> are fun. and then we've got Shilpa Rajiv and she says put the pencil between toes when they go tingly and numb trust me it works <laughs> really no <laughs> so is that when you get pins and needles does she mean I guess yeah I guess. Let's try that next time. I don't usually have a pencil handy. Right now, this one I don't. I don't get this one, but I think you do. Uh, I think it must be an American thing, maybe. Mm -hmm. I've got Nick Tay Tay West, and she says nobody beats Mulder's pencil ceilings. What does that mean? Well, did you used to watch the X Files? No, I don't actually remember this episode. They're saying she she actually does a comment in reply to that, and she said. I almost said stick and pencil to a ceiling tile because when she was in class once, the teacher was getting exasperated with her, I guess from not, you know, concentrating when she was trying to explain something. And it turned out that someone had stuck pencils to the ceiling and I guess they were just waiting for them to drop. And she said, that's something basic that happened with Mulder and Scully. I think Mulder had done it in the X-Files. Oh, I see. I don't actually remember that episode, but it sounds like Mulder had stuck pencils to the ceiling. <laughs> I've got Eveling Aldroid painting. Use it as a part of a still life setup and paint it. Yeah, nice that's sort of thing I think I do. Yeah, yeah. Then we've got Berry Baker, and she says that optical illusion where you wiggle it up and down and it looks bendy. Oh, yeah, I used to do that when I was a kid. <laughs> and we've got a brand new question now. Um, and that question is. You are allowed to draw only one more thing in your lifetime. What would it be? So, as always, you can tweet your answers to us at Kick Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group, which if you haven't joined, go ahead and join that. And we'll also put the question up there and on the Facebook page. And, of course, you can also get in touch with us on our Instagram page, which is Kick in the Creatives. 
And don't forget to pop over to our website, kickinthecreatives.com, to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And, of course, there you can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you are enjoying the podcast, as always, we'd love to um, have you leave us a little review. That would be great. Uh, Is that about it? I think it is. I think it is. Happy New Year. We're looking forward to seeing what everyone produces over the next few months. Enjoy. See ya. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. Probably one of the main obstacles that new new fartists... (laughs) (laughs) New artists face... (laughs) I'm going to read that again... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You've got a spot of oh wind, have you? <laughs> Sorry? You've got a spot of wind. <laughs> <laughs>